Our scripture for today is from 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. In just a moment, we'll be reading verses 7 through 18. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 18. We come today to a close on the series that we've been in now for several weeks entitled Suffering. As many of you know, we have discussed several key doctrines and important thoughts on suffering. It helps us understand suffering in our lives and how to respond correctly during our seasons of it. I'm sure you can go back on, uh, if you've missed some of those or all of them, and you'd like to go back, you can find those on, on our Facebook page, or also Brother Roy, I believe, uh, put some of those on our website as well. So uh, I would encourage you to do that. But as we close today in this series, we ask a question to the Christian. How do I honor God during my times of suffering? You see, to the serious Christian life, the one desiring to grow in their relationship with God, we close with that important question. How can I honor God during times of suffering? Do we think of such a thing when we're suffering? It's a question that needs to be given thought in the Christian life because the genuine Christian, even though we will have our fainting fits, so to speak, or as the southerners say, our spells, and we all have them, our spiritual spells and seasons of suffering, even in those, the genuine Christian desires to honor God in all seasons of life. Amen? Whether on the mountain with the eagle in flight or in the valley where the deer is searching for streams of water to refresh its thirsting soul. As it has been said and sung, it is much easier to honor God when we are on the mountain looking down upon the bigger picture than when we're low and looking at how difficult it will be to climb the mountain again. And yet, honoring God in the valley of darkness is just as important, really, if not more important than when we are higher up and able to more easily feel the warmth of the sun. Dr. Billy Graham said this, the person who expects to escape the pangs of suffering and disappointments simply has no knowledge of the Bible, of history, or of life. God has his plan and purpose in all suffering. And so today, let us turn again to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7-18, through 18, and let us hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul as he gives us a picture of the genuine Christian honoring God during suffering. If you are physically able this morning, I would invite you to stand again in the honor and reverence, the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. 
For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." May God add his blessings to the reading of his word today. Thank you, and you may be seated. Father, give us your grace today. Speak to us through your word, and with the aid of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, to receive your word. And Lord, that it would build our faith. And instruct us, Lord, in how to glorify you and honor you in all times of life, whether good or whether difficult. God, I ask for your mercy upon my life as well as I speak to these beautiful people that you've placed before me. They're your people, Lord. And so, God, may I honor you with my words and may you be glorified. We need your help. In Jesus' name. I ask these things. Amen. The Apostle Paul, the writer of these words, was used by God for great and mighty works in the kingdom of God, and and works in which fruit is still being produced from the tree of his ministry today. And yet, the Apostle Paul was also a man chosen by God to suffer many things. We see this in his conversion in Acts chapter 9, where he met the Lord on his way to Damascus to at first persecute people of the way or the believers, the Christians, putting them in jail, handing them over to death, men and women. And there he met the Lord on that Damascus road. And he was blinded by the light. He was blind for three days and nights. He did not eat or drink. And the Lord spoke to a man in Damascus by the name of Ananias. And he told Ananias about Paul or Saul who would be coming to him. At first, Ananias was reluctant because Ananias knew Saul and his history of persecuting the church. But the Lord said to Ananias in verse 15, And 16 in Acts chapter 9, he said, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, speaking of Paul, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. 
Paul honored God by suffering for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the good of the believers, the local church. Even in this letter that we read from this morning in 2 Corinthians, Paul in much of this letter is defending himself because of the attacks of false teachers that were influencing the church to turn against Paul. And in this letter of 2 Corinthians, Paul dives into describing his suffering for their sakes and for doing the will of God. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, verses 4 through 10, he begins to go into this discourse of his suffering. He says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything." He continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, as he again is defending himself. He says, are they servants of Christ? Speaking of those who were opposing his testimony and witness before the church at Corinth that he had labored so greatly for. Are they servants of Christ? He says, I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far greater, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less ones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window and the wall and escaped his hands." And this is not to mention in 2 Corinthians that we read of the thorn in Paul's flesh, a messenger of Satan allowed by God to keep him humble and depending upon God in all things. What I'm saying is to you that the writer of this letter that we've read from this morning is the Apostle Paul, and suffering was a way of life for Paul. And Paul had suffered so greatly for the gospel and for the good of the church His suffering was really more like a badge of honor for him as he sought to honor Christ 
the Christ that rescued him from damnation and had called him into this ministry. And that is why Paul said, we do not lose heart, even in the midst of great difficulties. And so going back to 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 7, let's look more closely at the apostles' words for a few moments to see how we also can honor God during our suffering. In verse 7 he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Treasures in jars of clay. What is this treasure? I think he answers that in the verse before, in verse 6. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the treasure that he speaks of is the gospel message of hope and reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ. It is salvation. That is the treasure. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. That is the treasure that he speaks of. But he said we have this treasure in jars of clay. What are the jars of clay? Oh, he's referring to himself. He's referring to Christians. We are the jars of clay. Interesting about the jars of clay and why he uses this reference. The Greek word for jars of clay speaks of a common pot that people had in their homes. They were easily replaceable. They were of little value. In those days, uh, people used these jars of clay, these common jars of clay to hold sometimes valuable belongings to hide them. Or to be honest with you, they would use them for garbage or for even human waste. And this is what Paul is saying. He's just a common jar of clay. We are just common jars of clay. But we hold the greatest treasure in the world, the gospel within us. He's describing a Christian. The glory is in the treasure in what he's saying and not the jar of clay. It's what's inside of the Christian that is the treasure. And the truth is, is in the world that we live in, and we tend to honor the pot or the jar of clay more than the treasure, ourselves or others. We are tempted to do that even in times of suffering. As a matter of fact, sometimes, especially in times of suffering, worrying more about the jar, giving more attention to the jar, trying to give the appearance of a strong, beautiful jar than displaying the treasure within us. We go to great lengths for people to admire our jars of clay, do we not? Matter of fact, we're scared if someone sees really just how fragile our jar is because of pride that we have. We want others to see the strength and the beauty of the jar, our flesh. But Paul is saying the glory, the strength, and power for life is in the treasure inside the jar. It is Christ in us. That is the glory. If we're going to honor God in our suffering, we will glory in the treasure of the gospel and not our jar. Our life, our reputation, our appearance, our status, our beauty, our wisdom, or in our strength. We glory more in the treasure. Jesus Christ, as Paul wrote, the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
Also, we believe or we have faith that we can endure because of the treasure that lies within us as Christians. Again, in verses 8 and 9, Paul, after he explains the treasure in the jar, he says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We're to have faith that with the power of God, the treasure within us, that really, beloved, we are invincible until God calls us home to heaven. And we believe that by faith. Again, because of the power of the treasure, not the power of the jar. No matter how hard and difficult the season of suffering or how weak the jar of clay seems, we trust in the power of the treasure that lies within us, the Spirit of Christ, the hope of the Gospel, and not the jar of clay. We trust not in ourselves, but in the treasure of Jesus Christ. And in that faith, in the life that is glorifying and praising the treasure, Jesus Christ, people see Christ the treasure, and not ourselves, and it honors God. In verse 10, he says, always carrying in the body the jar of clay, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested or revealed or shown in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh in the jar of clay. And so we honor God by honoring the treasure and not the jar of clay. We honor Jesus Christ and not ourselves, even in midst of suffering. We believe we have faith with the help of the Spirit that we can endure suffering because of the power of the treasure that lies within us. That we are truly invincible until God calls us home to glory. Paul goes on though. And he says, we believe and we speak. Verses 13 through 15. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. And here he is quoting the psalm of David. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus And bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And this matches back this last verse to verse 12 before. So death is at work in us. In other words we are suffering for the sake of the gospel. But because we are suffering for Jesus Christ's name. Suffering for the sake of the gospel, suffering for the benefit of the church, he said, but life in you. So Paul is saying, though I suffer, I will suffer gladly if it builds your faith, if you will see the treasure of Jesus Christ. We believe and speak. Even in Paul's suffering, he wanted to be true to the gospel and faithful to the Savior. Oftentimes it is easy for us or we as Christians in times of suffering, to isolate ourselves. And and I've been guilty of that. To draw back. And at times remain silent during times of suffering. It is easy to do. But Paul believed in the power of God for his endurance. 
And therefore, he continued, even in times of suffering, to speak the word of the Lord, to speak the gospel, to speak the truth of the gospel, the truth of the treasure, Jesus Christ. In other words, what Paul was saying was even in the midst of all the suffering that he endured in his life, it was impossible for him to believe the gospel truth and remain silent. He continued to speak the word of the Lord, the power of God and the glory of Jesus Christ, even in his suffering. And as a matter of fact, the more he suffered, the weaker he was. The weaker he was, the more the treasure, Jesus Christ, was displayed in his life. And he spake of God's glory, spoke of God's glory. You see, those who genuinely believe the truth of the gospel, of the treasure within our jar of clay, cannot help but speak it. Absorb that thought for a moment, if you will. You are being told in today's world to keep your faith private. Some of you even might even believe that. And I want to tell you that is unbiblical. Now, yes, we do it with wisdom. And yes, we do it with grace. Yes, we do it with love and with the help of the Holy Spirit. But we do speak what we believe, even in suffering. This is why it is so important as to how we speak in times of suffering. Listen to me now. It is so important in how we speak in times of suffering. Do we continue to speak gospel truths? Do we continue to glorify Christ? Or do we curse our jar, so to speak, and the room that it's sitting in? And by that I simply mean, that is, do we always curse our life? Talk about how bad our life is. Talk about how bad shape our bodies are in. Or how bad our circumstances are in. We're focused more on the jar than on the treasure. But Paul had that hope, and so he spoke, and he spoke what he believed, the truth of the gospel, even in the midst of all the suffering that he endured. Speaking and singing and sharing lifts the name of the treasure, Jesus Christ, and also the grace that keeps us strong. And then it extends to more and more people with the good news for the glory of God. A watching world is seeing the Christian suffer. They're watching we as Christians go about our life. Are we showing them the pot, the clay jar? or the treasure within us. Now again, we might have our fainting fits or spells, but Paul said we do not lose heart. I've had my share of fainting spells in my spirit, but ultimately we do not lose heart. Verses 16 through 18, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're passing, but the things that are unseen are eternal and established in the heavens. And Paul was saying that he could endure suffering and not lose heart because he was focused much more on the spiritual realm of life than on the physical realm of life. 
Paul knew whom he had believed. He knew his strength came from Jesus and not from himself. And he knew the things and struggles of life were just transient. They were passing away, making room for an eternal weight of glory that was far greater than anything in this world and the suffering that he endured. In other words, he kept his eyes on the truths of the treasure, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a must for the overcoming Christian. This is a must for the overcoming Christian. And to do that, to keep your eyes focused upon the eternal things and not on the transient things, doesn't happen by accident, beloved. It comes by reading the Word of God, by prayer and worship, renewing your mind with it daily. It doesn't just happen. It's not by chance or accident. But as we continue to focus on the treasure within us. So how does a Christian honor God in their times of suffering? We glory more in the treasure than in the jar of clay, Christ dwelling in us. We believe the jar of clay will last because of the power of the treasure within us. We speak of the truth and glory of the treasure even in times of suffering. We do not lose heart. We believe that these momentary seasons of suffering do not compare with the value of the treasure, the eternal weight of glory of seeing Jesus face to face one day. All these honor God during our seasons of suffering And they also draw others to the Lord. That's why Paul said, if I will boast, I'll boast in my weakness. But glory in Jesus Christ. Again, this question, it might not be for everybody. How do I honor God during times of suffering? I've been like you. There have been times I've not thought that. I just wanted to get through the suffering as quickly as possible. Amen? I mean, we don't like suffering. We are never told to enjoy it. Paul didn't enjoy being adrift at the sea, being hungry, but he did it for the Christ that saved him and called him. And so, I asked this question to us today as I had to ask it to myself this week. Are we focused more on keeping a pretty jar or beholding the beauty of the treasure that it holds? We cannot be so consumed with the jar that we lose sight of the treasure that God, through His grace, deposited into our lives. Jesus Christ. Christian, have you taken your eyes off of the treasure? We all are tempted to. If so, would you begin today to glorify Jesus Christ with your life? Rededicate and renew your commitment to the treasure within you? And that can mean several things today. Making a public recommitment, rededication to Christ. For some of you, it might be following through with that first step of obedience and following through with baptism. Not being ashamed, if you believe, you'll speak, you obey, 
getting involved by becoming a member of the local church, worshiping and serving with other like-minded Christians. Maybe for some of you it's surrendering to the call of God in a certain ministry, in true worship and service. Whatever that means for you today, I pray that you will be resolved in your spirit to commit yourself to Christ, but you won't find the answer in jar collecting. But in preserving, praising, and holding tightly to the treasure given unto you. And then I ask the question again that we must ask from time to time in our lives, do our lives point to our jar or to the contents within the treasure Jesus Christ. And to the one, maybe you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ and His free gift of eternal life by faith, I want to tell you today, the treasure does not dwell within you. You have to receive that treasure by faith and invite Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior and Lord welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life, giving, surrendering your life to Him. See, you're only seeing the treasure from the outside. You're only hearing it from the outside. For your life and eternal salvation in heaven, the treasure must be on the inside. That's what Paul's saying. But we have this treasure in jars of clay within your heart and soul. But you know what? It can be today. You can leave here today with the treasure on the inside and not the outside if you would only call out to Christ and ask Him to save you, to redeem you, to cleanse you, to touch you, as the choir sang, and make you whole through the blood of Calvary. If you will only by faith receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and welcome Him into your life, realizing that without Him, you're just an empty and common jar. Without Christ one day, your jar will be broken and left in the dirt for others to walk over. Now what most of the world is trying to do, and maybe some of you here today are trying to attempt to fill your jar or your life with many things to bring value to it. I want to tell you there is only one true treasure, and that is Jesus Christ. Only one true treasure, Jesus Christ, that can save your soul and bring fulfillment and purpose to your life and hope and peace. And so as we sing here, in just a second, as Brandon comes to lead us in our hymn of invitation, speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. I call upon Christians to answer the question, am I honoring God in times of suffering? Am I more focused on the treasure than the jar in my life today? Would you come to Christ For those of you that have never received Christ, no matter who you are, no matter who's around you, would you step out of the pew? Would you come and let me introduce you to Jesus Christ? 
we would rejoice with you. And not only that, we are told in the Scriptures that there is rejoicing in heaven over the one lost sheep that the shepherd has found. Jesus desires to fill your jar with his treasure today. That is his will. He wants to do that for you today. Will you receive the treasure into your life?